Good morning. How good is it to know that we have a God who never gives up on us, even when we um, have given up on him, or even when we have feel like we've let him down, he hasn't let us down. And so um, it's incredible to be able to sing those words um, this morning. Uh, my name's John, I serve as one of the pastors here, and just excited to be able to be with you, and hopefully um, you're excited to be here, and um, we can open up God's word and figure out how it applies um, to our life. Um, a couple things I want to remind you about or let you know about. Um, the first is tonight, um, we're going to be meeting together um, from 6 to 8, um, and this is going to be a time We've been talking about this for several weeks now where we're going to try to get together and kind of dive into understanding spiritual gifts a little bit more, understanding our personalities, trying to understand why are we the way that we are, why are, um, at, at an individual level, why, are, why did God create you the way that he created you, and ultimately, how can you use that in order for to use that for the kingdom? How can we be used by God? How can we d- discover these things? That's what we hope to be able to do tonight, and so I'd um, love for you to come and be a part of it. There's still um, time to sign up. You do need to sign up for it. The reason we want you to sign up is um, there's a couple of surveys that we'd like you to complete before you come that each one takes about 10 minutes and so um, you can actually go to our website it's connection.church right this second if you wanted to even and sign up for that tonight so you can get that email back with the links there Um, that way you can take um, some opportunity this afternoon to fill those out and then we can get that stuff printed out for you and ready for you when you come here tonight so I encourage you to come and be a part of that it's going to be I believe an exciting time Um, the other thing I want to let you know about is last week you probably saw the video I'm talking about serving in Connection Kids, and oftentimes we have a lot of questions about what it looks like to serve in Connection Kids, and um, we hope that uh, many of you will begin stepping into that area. Um, I, I think about the idea of um, raising up this next generation, of teaching the gospel to our children. That should be something that should be a passion for every single one of us, and a desire for every single one of us to see these kids come to know Jesus at an early age, to see them not have to maybe um, fall over the same things that we had to fall, stumble over, you know, to be able to um, learn about Jesus at a young age. So that should be something that is very important and and dear to us to raise up these these other people. And uh, one of the things that we're doing within this ministry, we're getting ready to start something called KK Buddies or Connection Kids Buddies. And what this is going to be is it's going to be a ministry for um, special needs children. We want to be able to have a room every single Sunday um, where we can um, be prepared for um, any children who have special needs. We know that um, families that have children with special needs, can um, it's tough sometimes. It's a a lot. And we want to be able to come alongside them to create a space um, where we're prepared for them, where we're, we're ready for them where that parent can feel comfortable um, dropping off their kids so they can come in here and to be able to worship and be able to hear God's word preached. And so that's something we want to be offered. But with that, um, we need people that want to help out with that. We need people that maybe you've um, got um, a a past of working with special needs children. So if you've got some experience, that would be great. If you're just somebody that says, hey, I don't have any experience, but I would love to get involved with that. um, Come and see us. um, Get signed up for that. Find somebody in one of those orange shirts and they'll get you connected with Olivia or with um, Nina. They're the people that are over our Connection Kids ministry, um, or if you got one of those little info cards, just say KK Buddies on the cards and um, put your information there and we'll follow up with you. But we're excited to be able to offer that, but we won't, um, aren't going to be able to do that until um, we have the appropriate people in there to be able to man that. But um, again, very exciting thing to be able to offer for um, families in this community, and so we're very excited about that. Um, today... We are continuing this series called Who is God? And I remember when Brandon was first talking about this series and talking about the idea that we're going to ask this question, who is God? I'm like, that's kind of a daunting task to ask the question and try to answer who is God. And I didn't really know what to expect from this series. And maybe you're like me in that this series has been completely different from what I expected. And it's been so exciting to be able to, as we've dived into asking the question of who is God, it's it's given us a fuller picture of God's plan for us, the body of Christ, for God. 
God's plan for the church of when Jesus died for us, what that then meant. And then over the past several weeks, he's been talking about the Holy Spirit and how when the Spirit's wanting to do something in and through us, there's incredible power that goes along with that. And if we can grab a hold of that, we can grab a hold of what God wants to do in and through us, that this will completely revolutionize our way of thinking, our whole mindset about what the church is. And that's kind of what we've been looking at. And as I've been thinking about each one of these messages and kind of been hearing it for myself, the things that I begin asking is, okay, what does this mean? If this begins happening, if every single one of you begin to step into the things that God has created you for, what does that look like? What are the ramifications of that? What are the implications of that? What, what's going to happen if these things begin happening? And so I kind of wanted us to today to think about those things, to look at that stuff and figure out, okay, what does this actually look like? What do we need to be prepared for? And how does this all of this happen? And so I kind of have this message broken up into four different sections. Um, these sections don't rhyme. They don't all start with the same letter. It's just basically how I can remember what to talk about today. And so if you're a note taker, um, maybe you like this. Um, basically, the four sections are this. The first thing I want to talk about is surrender. All right, the first thing is surrender. The next one is discover. So surrender, discover, and then object. It's a little bit different one. Object. And the final one, trust. Okay? Surrender, discover, object, and trust. That's going to be the outline of the message. And hopefully, once I go through it, all of that will make a little bit more sense. Um, but before we do that, let's pray. And we will dive after this. So God, we just love you. God, I thank you so much for the opportunity to gather. God, the opportunity to worship you freely. The opportunity to open your word. Um, God, and see how it applies to our life. God, I believe you're beginning to do um, an amazing thing in different people in this church. You're beginning to stir them. You're beginning to um, to change the way our, our, that we even think about church, to change our mindset of what God desires to do in and through people. And God, I pray that you speak to us today. God, I pray you continue to reveal yourself to individuals. You continue to reveal um, your gift sets in each one of them so they can step into the things that you desire for them to step into. God, I, I want to pray for this just as I prayed at 9 a.m. God, I want to pray for that ministry um, next door in Connection Kids. God, I want to pray for those workers that are sharing the gospel with our children. God, I'm so thankful for their willingness to give up their time, to give up their energy, to share the good news of Christ with these children. God, I pray that these children come to know you at an early age, that God, that their foundation is so solid that they, when, when they go through life, when they come across the things of this world, that God, their foundation is so strong that the world has nothing to be able to even come against them because their foundation in Christ is so strong. God, we pray that as what is happening right now. Like we pray that these children know how loved they are by you, even in that baby room, that, that those workers can begin whispering that Jesus loves them. God, I'm so, so glad that my two-year-old, when we're praying at night, I ask her, does Jesus love her? And she says, yes, she knows that Jesus loves her already. And to know that she's so confident in that, God, that is because of what's happening over there. And so I'm so thankful that God pray that you're stirring the hearts of those children over there. God, I pray that you are creating movers and shakers for your kingdom, and that, God, this is not just the future generation. This is a current generation that are going to have an impact on this world. And so, God, we pray you raise them up. God, we pray that you raise up people in this room that are willing to partner with us to minister to these kids. And so, God, we love you so much, and we just lift up this time to you. Amen. So when I was in high school, 
Um, I read through a book that many of you probably read through as well. Um, it was a bestseller book. The name of the book was The Purpose Driven Life. Who in here has ever written, read, written? I did that at 9 too. I can't speak. All right, so The Purpose Driven Life, right? So I remember as a high schooler, I'm reading this, and I'm trying to discover, you know, what, God, what is the purpose of my life? What's, what's my life going to look like? You know, what am I going to do? And it was just kind of this I, 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 me, me, me. And I opened up the book. I got to the first page. The first line in the book is, it's not about you. And I'm like, huh? Like, I thought it's about my life. It's the purpose of my life. God, what in the world? And I read this book, and I'm like, it's not about me. And it was just what I realized is that, man, that's a different way of thinking than what our culture tells us, right? Our culture tells us it's all about us. It's all about our wants, our needs, our desires. But the thing is, the life of a Christian, what we are called to is something different. And the only way for us to understand that is if we first understand that it's not about us. It's about we've got to be willing to surrender our wants, our desires, our plans for our life in order to surrender to what God desires for our life. But it's everywhere. Our culture screams this at us that it's about us. We were talking to staff several months ago. We were kind of talking about our guest services ministry here. That's kind of one of the areas that I'm over, and um, I love being able to do that. And But one of the things we, we strive to do is we want to create um, environments where um, it's easy for people to come to know Jesus, right? We want people to feel loved when they walked in. We want to be prepared for them. We want them to feel at home. I, I hope that when you come here, you feel at home, that when especially a visitor walks in, we want to take care of everything for them. So that means we're going to bring the kids in on wagons, and we're going to pick you up in a golf cart. We want to make it as easy as possible. We want you to know, hey, we've been thinking about you. We've been expecting you. You're ready. You know, we we want to do whatever we can. We want to walk you to your seat. We want to do, again, anything we can. We bring these people into the auditorium, and then we preach the gospel at them, and the gospel says, hey, it's not about you. But yet, all leading up to that, we said, hey, it's all about you. We're focused on you. It's about you. It's about you. And then we come in here, and we say, it's not about you. And I'm not saying that we change up the whole guest services ministry. I think we need to create good environments for people um, to walk into. We want people to feel loved. But it's just kind of interesting that it's almost like we're saying two different things, that we're, we're setting them up to, to feel like, oh, wow, this is, they've, it's all about me. And then we come in here and we also learn from the gospel that it's not about me. But again, this is everywhere. We see this everywhere. Last night I was talking to my wife about this and we were talking about um, International Women's Day, right, which was on Friday. And it was really cool to see you know, the different social media posts out there from men and women kind of um, talking about um, the role of, of women and talking about um, the strength of women and all these different things. And um, in my house, I've got a lot of women. I've got two daughters, um, my wife, and even my cat is a woman. So it's just literally everyone. It's just lots of women there, right? But that's just the, that's the hand that I've been dealt. But I love it. It's good. Um, but we were talking about that, and we were talking about how, man, we want our daughters to grow up to be strong women, right? We want them to, to find their identity in, in, in the Lord and not to um, have their identity be um, dictated by what a man says or anything like that. We want them to, to have these things. We, we hope that for our daughters. And so we're, we're thinking about all of this, and my wife asked the question. She said, you know, what do you feel like, though, God's definition of a strong woman is. Because again, we see that what the world's saying. The world's saying it's about empowerment and it's about we can do it and it's about all these different things. And again, that stuff has its place. But she says, what do you feel like God's definition of a strong woman is? And at first, you know, one of my thoughts was, you know, Proverbs 31. Obviously, that's a pretty, for those of you that have read that before, it's a good description of a, of a godly woman. If you've not read that before, man or woman, I encourage you to, to read that. It's a very good description of that. But when she asked that question, I immediately responded with, the definition of a strong woman is a fully surrendered follower of Jesus. 
A strong woman is a fully surrendered follower of Jesus. So I said that to her, and she goes, wow, that's really good. Where did you get that? I said, I don't know. I just made it up, right? Like, I don't, I don't even know where that came from. But, like, I thought about that, and I'm like, man, maybe there's something to this, right? Because I think about that, and I think about it in terms of my daughters. And I think about, okay, the reality is that if so much of, you know, the, the, this idea of International Women's Day is about empowerment. You don't usually take the word empowerment and pair it with the word surrender, right? It's not something you normally put together. But think about the example of the cross. Think about what Jesus did for us. What did he do? He surrendered. He laid his own life down. And we don't look at that as a sign of weakness, right? The greatest display of strength that has ever existed was Jesus surrendering on the cross. And so what we realize is that in surrender, there is incredible, incredible power. And so again, going back, when I think about my daughters, my desire for them is to be a fully surrendered follower of Jesus. Because if they are fully surrendered to Jesus, that means their eyes are fixated on Jesus. That means they're their identity, their worth, their value, all of that is found in Jesus. That means that the Holy Spirit is going to be doing something in and through them, which means there's incredible power in that, which means there's going to be incredible strength in them. And as if they're doing the things that God desires them to do, if they are living in the Spirit and the Spirit is working in them, man, there's going to be strong, strong strength in there. And it's not about them trying to be good enough. They don't have to be say that we can do it because they know. No, it's not about us. It's about what Jesus is doing in us. The only way we are strong is by what Jesus is doing in us. And I'm like, man, what a perfect picture of strength is being fully surrendered to Jesus. Men, if you want to be a strong man, be a fully surrendered follower of Jesus. That's how you be a strong man. It's not about us trying to do good enough, trying to be good enough, trying to work out enough. That's not about, that's not what strength is. Strength is in surrender. And it just, it opened my eyes to this. It's like, man, what would that look like? And I realized that's the starting point in all of this, is that we are not surrendered to Jesus, if we are not surrendered to his will and it's still about us, then us stepping into anything God wants us to do is never going to work because it's going to still be about us. You see, we're called to have the same mindset as Jesus. Well, Jesus, he didn't come to be served. He came to serve. Jesus said that, look, the first will be last and the last will be first. He said, look, I've come here to serve. We are to have the same mindset as Jesus, which means that we have to decide that we have to do away with our desires, our wants, what we think is best, and say, I'm going to surrender to that, and I'm going to do what God desires me to do. So are we willing to do that? If we're willing to do that, then I believe it is going to lead us into a time of discovery. It's going to lead us into a time of where we can see, okay, God, what do you want to do with me? Right? If, I'm, if I'm saying, God, here I am, send me, what does that look like? And that's what Ultimately, tonight, what we want to begin in that is this beginning time of discovery, to discover what, it, what is it that, God, you want to do through us. So several weeks ago when we were talking about this concept of March 10th, talking about this concept of um, coming together on the evening, Brandon kind of shared with you, he said, look, I feel like there's a stirring going on. I feel like many of you are beginning to get stirred by the Lord, and you want to be used by God, but you don't really know what that looks like. And so we're going to have this time where we come together, and we look at kind of spiritual gifts, and we look at how we all have a role to play. And, man, it's going to be good. We want you to come out to it, right? And so that afternoon, I'm riding in the truck with my dad. He's taking me up to actually drop my truck off. And um, my dad, both my parents, they're um, relatively new believers. They um, have believed for a very, very long time, um, but they really didn't fully surrender it the way I just described surrender until probably last year. And so it's been kind of a, a brand new world for them to realize that, man, Christianity is more than just a belief, right? There's, there's more to this. And so they've kind of been digging into this, and it's been really cool to watch. And so my dad's asking me, he said, okay, tell me more about this whole March 10th thing. I don't quite understand what you're 
you're really talking about. Maybe you kind of were in that boat a little bit too. I don't really know what they're talking about here. So I began explaining it to them. I said, well, Dad, I feel like there's, or we feel like there's a lot of people out there that they want to be used by God, but they don't really know where to start. They don't really know what that looks like. They, some might have an idea, but they just, they don't really know where that looks. And we want to be able to come alongside people and hear from them and say, okay, hey, what do you, what's God doing in you? And how can we identify those different gift sets in you? And so you might come across somebody that says, well, I, I'm good at caring for people. I don't really know what that means, but I feel like I'm good at caring for people. I'm good at loving people. And like, I feel like I've experienced Jesus and I really want other people to experience Jesus. I want them to experience what I've experienced, but what do I do with that, right? And we look at somebody like that, what I would say is, man, that's the description of a connect group leader right there. Somebody that cares for people and wants to, them to experience what they've experienced, that's a perfect example of a connect group leader. Most people though, that if you said that to them, they go, oh, no, 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 I couldn't do that. That's not me, right? I can't teach, teach the Bible, right? Well, do this. Take the person that says, hey, I'm a professor for, for my living, right? I, I teach students all day, day long. Um, I feel like I'm pretty good at teaching. Like, I feel like I can take God's word, and I'm, I'm good at trying to explain it. Oftentimes, whenever I'm talking about God's word, people seem to listen, and they say I kind of have a good way of being able to explain it. But I'll tell you what, I'm really horrible at caring for people. Like, if you need me to go to the hospital and visit, not me. If you need me to check in with people, I'm just not going to think that way. But you took me in front of a group of people and say, hey, let's, let's open God's word. Man, that's, that's, that's my zone. I could do that all day long. Well, you take that person and you take that person that loves to care for people, you put them together. That's a really strong connect group right there, isn't it, right? Where you see the body, you see different people beginning to step into these gift and gift sets. It's not all falling on one person. So I'm explaining this to my dad is that that's what we want to see happen. We want people to discover this stuff so that they can begin stepping into these things. And so my dad says, oh, that's like, I don't know where it's at in scripture. He said, but there's a scripture that talks about if you're teaching, if your gift set is teaching, then teach. If it's serving, then serve. If it's prophesying, then prophesy. And I look at my dad, I'm like, yes. I said, that's it. Here's what's so cool about that. And I don't want y'all to miss this. So last year, we had the 412 reading plan. We were going through the New Testament, right? And this was the first time that my parents walked through basically the New Testament in its entirety. They had never really done that before. We weren't regular Bible readers growing up. And so all last year, they read through this. And so as my dad's thinking about this, as I'm explaining this, the Holy Spirit planted something in his mind that says, hey, remember that time you were reading my word and, uh, and you read that thing and you didn't really know what to make of it? All of a sudden, my dad connected the dots. And he said, oh, I know what you're talking about now. Now I see what this means. Now I see what Paul was talking about when he was talking about using these gift sets. This light bulb came off. And how cool is it when that happens in our lives, when we see the dots beginning to, to connect and we see this, this fuller picture of things. And so it was so cool. And so the next morning, I was with some of our staff members and we do a morning devotion on a Monday morning where we kind of just open God's word and try to figure it out. And I was sharing this story with them about me just having this conversation with my dad. And we decided, why don't we read Read Romans 12, which is where this comes from. What my dad was talking about comes out of Romans 12. So you can turn to Romans 12 if you want. And this is a section that talks about these spiritual gifts. Romans 12 is a very um, famous um, chapter in the Bible. Many people know this. Obviously, the first couple um, verses are there's popular verses talking about not conforming to this world, be, be transformed um, through the renewing of our minds. And again, this idea of surrendering what you know, we think is best, surrendering to what maybe um, the, the world says us to, to do this, but surrendering to that and saying, I'm willing to do what God desires us to do. And then it got, jumps down to verse 3, and we get this explanation of some of these gifts. And so I want to read that, and it says this. It says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has just distributed to each of you. 
For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with the faith, your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is to give, if it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And so we're talking about this in group, and we're talking um, about kind of the, the ideas of different people doing different things. And somewhere in the conversation, I don't even know kind of how we got there, somebody brought up the book of Jeremiah. Because in the beginning of the book of Jeremiah, we see this picture of, in the, these verses talking about how God knew us before we were even here. He knew us in our, in our mother's womb. And basically the idea of it, what we were talking about is how cool is it that God knew before we were even born what he wanted to do in and through us, right? And that's kind of the topic, how we kind of got to that. And so we kind of jumped over to Jeremiah. We kind of moved from Romans over to Jeremiah. I kind of want to take you on a journey of kind of how I began processing through this because it's important for you to see kind of, kind of how that journey went. I think oftentimes when we're studying God's word, we don't even know how we ended up where we end up. You know, maybe you've had moments like that, and it's just really cool when that happens. So we ended up in the book of Jeremiah, and this is what you see in verse 4. You see Jeremiah speaking, and he says, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And so we see Jeremiah basically talking about what God has seen in him. Now, Jeremiah, he was a prophet. He was somebody that basically spoke to the Lord. He spoke um, of the th things that would come. And I, what I started thinking about it when I was telling the group, I'm like, man, that, that's a pretty big burden to speak for the Lord, right? I don't think I would necessarily want that responsibility. And I'm like, I wonder if Jeremiah ever wrestled with that, to wrestle with the idea that he's got to speak for the Lord. He's got to speak about these things to come. I was like, that had to be to weigh on him. And another guy in the group, he was like, well, I was actually studying this book um, last semester. And you're right, Jeremiah did struggle with this. And you see this in the next verse. He says, Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. You see, Jeremiah's going, look, God, I don't know about this. I know you want to do this through me. I know you said that you created me for this, but I don't know if I can do this. I'm too young. I don't even know how to speak. You see, Jeremiah's questioning this calling that God has put on his heart. But listen what God says to him. Listen to the way God responds to Jeremiah in this when Jeremiah begins to question but the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you and say whatever I command you. At first I'm like, dang God. Like he kind of just threw the smack down on Jeremiah. Like Jeremiah's like, hey, I don't know if I can do this. And God's like, you must do this. What God's saying here is he's saying, Jeremiah, this wasn't a recommendation. This wasn't just, hey, I hope you'll do this. God is looking at Jeremiah and saying, look, I've created you for this. I am calling you to this. I'm commanding you to do this. Step into this, Jeremiah. But listen to what God follows up with that commandment, with that intensity that he gives. He follows it up with this. He says, do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. So God realizes what's actually going on with Jeremiah. Jeremiah is fearful. Jeremiah is going I don't know if I have what it takes. Jeremiah's thinking, I've got to do this in and of myself, and I just don't think I have what it takes. And so God says, look, you're missing it. It's not about what you have. Listen to what he says. 
Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. What the Lord says to Jeremiah here is he says, look, it's not about what you have to offer. It's not about how old you are. It's not about your ability to speak because it has nothing to do with you. It's about what I'm going to do through you. It's going to be my spirit that's speaking through you. I need you to understand this. There's no reason to fear because I'm going to be the one that's doing this. And so it gives Jeremiah this incredible hope to go, oh, it's not on me. When we're living and we're carrying out the things that God desires us to do, it's not us doing it. We have to remember that. That's what a spiritual gift is God doing something in us and through us that we couldn't do in and through ourselves. And that's what God is trying to point out to Jeremiah here. And so we had this conversation with each other um, in this group, and I'm like, man, it was really good. And it was kind of you know, opened my eyes a little bit, and I was able to see a, a fuller picture of things. And so we came back in the next week, and we decided, man, we need to keep on studying this stuff. We need to keep on looking at this. Like, what else does God say about spiritual gifts? What else do, does this look like? Because if we're going to continue to explore this as a church, as staff members, we probably need to be prepared for this. And so we decided to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is another chapter in the Bible that talks about gifts and talks about these different roles that each one of us have. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 4, it says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone and in the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. I want to stop for a second. Basically, what he's saying here is that, look, we all have a role to play, and these gifts aren't for us. These gifts are to be able to encourage and pour into others and to be able to edify the Lord and to be able to worship the Lord and to give praise to the Lord. That's what these gifts are for. Again, these gifts are not for our benefit. These gifts are for basically everybody else, and this is what's going on. And then they begin to, he, Paul lists out a series of gifts. We could spend a whole series, a whole year diving into and studying the, the purpose of each one of these different gifts. We'll do some of that tonight. For the purpose of the day, the lane I kind of want to keep us in is not to dive into what's the role of every single one of this. It's just for you to understand we all have a role to play. We all have a different gift set. We all bring something different to the table. Okay, that's the, the mindset I want you to be thinking about right now. I want to read a, a longer part of scripture right here because we need to see the full picture of what Paul's saying here. Listen, he says, starting in verse 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit as, so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Underline that, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, these, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. 
If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. We see this beautiful picture of what God's plan for the church is. It's for us all to have these different roles, for us all to step into these different things. And that there's not one greater than another. There's not one person that's greater than another. There's not one gift that's greater than another. We all have a role to play, and we are all part of this one body. And so we were beginning talking about this, and I'm like, man, yeah, that's really cool. That's, that's a perfect picture of the church. But here's what began happening. In the back of my mind, I began having these objections. I began thinking these things that I don't like to express. We don't say these things out loud, but these are the things that kind of are in your subconscious, and I I felt the need to kind of express it to this group and to talk about that. This is what I felt like was going on. I was kind of thinking about growing up, I played tennis, and when I played tennis, I always preferred playing singles over doubles because when you play doubles, I never wanted to let my partner down. Like if I was having a bad day and I wasn't playing well, I didn't want to let them down if they were playing really well and I kept on missing shots. But in the same way, if I was playing really well and my partner wasn't doing so well, that would kind of frustrate me because I'm like, man, we're in this thing, but you keep on missing shots and it's kind of frustrating. Well, when you're playing singles, look, if you lose, man, that's on you. You got to own that. But if you win, man, you get to own that. That was you. Now, I'm not saying that was the best mindset to have, right? I'm not saying that was the most sportsman-like thing. I'm just saying, as a kid growing up, I prefer playing singles because, look, if I won, I wanted it to be about me, right? Well, I thought about that, and I'm like, man, I think in a lot of ways, we take that same mindset, and we begin to apply it to the church. And this is what begins to happen. You begin getting more people involved, right? If everybody out here, each of you begins stepping into what the Lord desires for you, things are going to begin getting a little bit more complicated. We're going to be getting more people involved. You hear that saying that you don't want too many chefs in the kitchen, right? Because you get too many chefs in the kitchen, you get a lot of opinions, right? You get a lot of different perspectives. It starts getting a little messy, right? What if we begin bringing people in and they want to do things different than I want to do them? What if, they want, what if they do something that's not the way that I wanted to do it? Am I going to be okay with that? Or what if somebody begins doing something and I realize, hey, I'm not going to be able to do that thing anymore because they're doing it. And I realized I kind of enjoyed doing that. I find, found some value in that. I found some worth in that. Now I'm not able to do that anymore. I guess the church doesn't need me anymore. We begin to think these things. And I realized, I mean, this was my, in the back of my mind, there was an element of this, all right? There was an element of me going, I'm in a place of, of leadership, and I'm kind of going like this with stuff. I'm kind of, I want people to get involved, but the second they do, I'm like, well, I don't necessarily want to let go of stuff because it's comfortable here. I can control stuff here. It's a lot harder when we begin to let go of that control. And so I was expressing this to that group, and I said, guys, I'm just being honest. I can feel that, that that's in me to a degree. That's something that I need to be aware of. I need to know that that's in me. Well, Joey, one of our other pastors, was sitting there, and he said, man, how cool is it of what Paul follows up chapter 12 with in chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians? Who in here knows what 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is all about? Love. This is the famous chapter about love. This is the chapter that basically is read at every single wedding that exists, right? It's the, the chapter all about love. And when we read it, all of a sudden, I read it with new eyes. I want you to see what's going on in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, because it's as if God knew what, to its, what would happen when we read 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is what it says. It says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to the hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Listen to this next part with new eyes. Forget how you've heard it before. Love is patient. 
Love is kind. It does not envy what somebody else's gift is. It does not boast in our own gift. It is not proud of what we can accomplish on our own. It does not dishonors what others want to bring to the table. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered when somebody does something different than we want them to do it. It keeps no record of wrongs when somebody gets it wrong when they're trying to do their best. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. I see that scripture and all of a sudden my eyes are open open to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 in a brand new light. I realize that it's about these gift sets. I realize it's about the church. I realize that if we're not careful, when people begin stepping into these things, if we are not responding with love, it's never going to work because it's going to be all about pride. It's going to be all about envy. We're going to allow ourselves to get in the way of this, right? Because the thing is, is that when people begin getting involved, it gets messy and it gets tough. Sometimes people can get involved that we wish weren't necessarily involved, right? And as, as an organization, as, as all of us as Christians, sometimes there's some weird Christians out there, right? Let's just be honest. Sometimes we're a little weird, right? Many of you, you know some weird Christians, don't you, right? And if you don't know any weird Christians, more than likely you're the weird Christian, right? <laughs> it's just the way it is, right? And it's not that we don't love them. We love that they're the part of the body of Christ. We just wish they were part of the body that meets across the street, right? Because it's tough sometimes. Sometimes people just, they drive us up the wall and it's difficult. But man, we would be missing out on people stepping into what God has created them for. And so as I thought about this and I thought about these objections that I have, I'm like, how often do we have, do we feel these things but we don't admit them? Do we feel these things but we're not willing to lay that on the table and say, look, I got to be honest, that's me to a degree and I need to, I need to recognize that. And I realize that there's there's three different, um, I think, objections that we make, or three different even group, groups of type of people that are in here right now that I want to be able to share with you all. The first group of people is when you hear this, this teaching on gifts and hearing this teaching on different people doing different things and us stepping into these different roles, your response is yes. Absolutely. That makes complete sense. I'm fully on board with that. But then you look at a certain gift or you look at a series of gifts and say, hey, but those things, that's just not me. Right? That's for somebody else to do. I agree with everything you're saying. It's just that is not me. And here's what I think is happening. There's two different things that I think is happening there. The first thing is I think many times we avoid stepping into the gift set that God has for us the, or the one that he desires for us to do the most is the one that we're afraid to do, and we fight it, right? So often the very thing God wants to do in and through you is the thing that we fight more than anything else. And I used this example um, last service. My mom, for as long as I can know her, which was my whole life, um, she has said, I'm not an evangelist. That's not me. That's somebody else. I just, that's, that's not me. I can't do that, right? She takes a spiritual gift test last week. Number two spiritual gift, evangelism. And I said, ha! I knew it, right? But see, here's the thing. In my mom, the reason she questioned it, she said, in and of myself, I can't do this. And I said, mom, you're right. Because it's God wanting to do something in you, you couldn't do in and of yourself. That's why it's a spiritual gift. And so oftentimes we we try to fight the very thing that God wants to do in us greater than anything else. So that's, that's one side of it. The other side of it is we try to pair a gift set 
with a calling as a Christian, right? We try to pair a gift set with a calling as a Christian. Here's what I mean by that. Take the example of evangelism. There are people that have a God-given ability to share their faith, right, to share the gospel. When they share, when they open their mouth, it's like people just respond. It makes sense to people. There's just this ability that when they speak, people get saved. Like Brandon, he's one of those people. He has this gift set of evangelism. Jeremy, the pastor over in Millen, he's got a gift set of evangelism. When he speaks, people respond. It's a God-given ability, all right? Some are gifted. However, every one of us as Christians are called to evangelize. How do I know this? Because Jesus told us. So the Great Commission says for us to go and make disciples of all nations. Jesus didn't give us that to just a select few. He said, every single one of you are called to go and make disciples. In 1 Peter, it says that we should always be prepared to give a response for the hope that we have. What, that, what he's saying there is he's saying, look, the reason you believe what you believe, the gospel that you believe, you need to be prepared to share that with somebody else. You need to be prepared to explain to them what the gospel is. Every one of us as Christians are called to evangelize. Some are gifted in it, and, and God has placed some to say, hey, I'm going to give them a unique ability to be able to do it. All of us are called to it. Generosity is another one of those, right? There's some people that God has given an ability for them to be generous about. And it's not just the amount of money that we're talking about here. There's been people that have given an offering of $10,000 and people have given an offering of rolled pennies, right? We have, in the same offering, we have seen that, right? Both of them generous. Both of them had to sacrifice a lot in order to do that. Both of them, I would dare say, probably have the gift of generosity. Again, it's not the amount, but God was doing something in them. My brother and my sister-in-law, they have the gift set of, of generosity. They are, they're those type of people, they don't have a lot, but they're the type that, you know, they'd give you the shirt off their back if, they, if you needed it, right? And there's oftentimes I tell them, stop giving things away. Like, you, you, this, is, this is a sickness, right? But God's done something in them. He continues to bless them and continues to provide for them so they, so they go, look, we're good, right? It's this incredible gift set, okay? Some are gifted at that, all of us are called to be generous, right? Now, there are some gift sets that are reserved for certain people. Prophecy is one of those. All of us are not called to prophesy. That's a, a unique gift for a select group of people. You see that even in Scripture. Not everybody in Scripture was prophets. So there's only certain people that you see that wrote books of the Bible that were considered prophets. That's not a calling on all of Christians, right? So within some of these gift sets, some of these gift sets are still a calling that all Christians have. Some of them are just reserved for certain people. Does that make sense? Does it make sense kind of what I'm saying here? What, and the reason I'm saying this is oftentimes we try to say, well, because I'm not an evangelist, I don't have to do it. Because my gift set's not generosity, I don't have to do that. That's not what scripture is saying, right? We're still called to it. It might just not be a gift set. So that's the first group of people and kind of how they object things. The second group of people are the ones that say, look, I don't have anything to offer. All right? I don't feel like there's anything for me to offer. Or they say, I, I might have something to offer, but I look at what that person is doing, and they're just so much better at it than me, so I'm going to let them do it. Here's what I think is going on with a person like this. One, your concept, your mindset of a spiritual gift is inaccurate. Because if you're saying, I don't have anything to offer, what you're saying is that Jesus doesn't have anything to offer. Because again, our spiritual gifts, the thing that God wants to do through us is just that. It's God doing something through us. It's not about us. It's not about what we offer. It's about what the Spirit wants to do in and through us. And so whenever we say, I don't have anything to offer, we're saying, Jesus, you don't have anything to offer. I would caution you in that, right? This, the, the other side of that is you're saying, look, maybe I have something to offer, but I look at what that person has, and it just seems like they're better at it. Let me let them do that. 
Well, see, here's the thing. You're allowing a spiritual gift to be a competition, right? But Jesus isn't in competition with Jesus, right? If the Holy Spirit is moving through both of them, that means that it's the Spirit moving through both of them. So it's not a competition between one or the other, right? It's them each stepping into a unique gift set and God wanting to do something specific through them, not a competition. We got to move away from the idea that I shouldn't be involved with this because you're better at this than me. It's not a competition, It's not about who's better at what. Again, think about what we read and how the body was talked about. There's no higher or no lower. It is all God wanting to do things in and through us. The last group of people, the last objection that people have is you're in a place of leadership. You're in a place where you're functioning, you're doing different things. And maybe you're somebody who's saying, man, I wish more people would get involved. And the second they do, you begin to hold on to things. You begin to say, well, man, it's going to be difficult if these people get involved. It's going to get more complex. Or I don't know if I want to give this up. If, 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 we, if somebody else is doing this, I'm not going to be able to do this anymore. And I don't, I don't know if I want that to happen. Again, you're not vocalizing this out loud, but it's in the back of your mind. Last week I was sharing um, at our Pooler campus, and I was um, sharing with them, and um, I was sharing how I always like it when Michael, the campus pastor there, calls me and says, hey, man, would you be willing to come and preach? Like, that makes me feel good. When, when Michael sells, calls and says, man, I want you to come Man, it makes me feel like I'm wanted. It makes me feel like he sees something in me. And it's a, it's a good feeling. I enjoy being with them. They're an incredible body of believers down there. You should really go check it out sometime. It's just they're doing some incredible things down in that city and in Savannah and in all those places down there. Like a lot of cool stuff's happening. So I love going there. And I told them, I said, guys, my fear is that one day Michael will stop calling, right? One day he's not going to need me anymore. I had a fear of that. I didn't want that to happen because I enjoy doing it. I enjoy being used in that way. I enjoy getting to go down there. I enjoy getting to be with them. But I told them, my fear is that he'll stop calling. My hope is that he'll stop calling. Why? Because that means if he stops calling, it means that someone and people within that congregation are beginning to get raised up. That there are teachers, there are communicators of the gospel that are getting raised up in that congregation that then begin stepping into what God created them for. And so that there is a side that, you know what, it's not about me not being needed anymore. It's about somebody else being used by God. And my hope is that I could go and visit, instead of me being the one preaching, I get to go and visit and watch somebody else be used by God. And what that's going to show me is that, look, it's not about me having to do that. Maybe God wants something different for me now. Maybe he wants to use me in a new and unique way, but I should celebrate people stepping into what God created them for, right? But again, I can be honest with myself to say, I don't want to stop getting called. I enjoy doing it, but it's not about me. I've chosen to surrender what I want, to surrender my needs, my desires, my wants, and to say, God, here I am. Send me whatever that looks like. If that's preaching there for a little while, if it's preaching here on a Sunday every now and then, or if it's doing something different and never being seen again, can I be okay with that? Can I surrender to that? And so I think about that, I'm like, man, if we can be honest with those things and we can admit those things, then we can finally trust what God's created, right? That's that final leg of this. If we have been willing to surrender, we begin discovering what God wants to do in and through us, and then we can be honest with ourselves when our minds begin to go the other direction. Because again, just as we sing about our minds, we're prone to wander. We're prone to go the other direction. You know, culture is going to continue to pull us and pull us and pull us, and we have to be aware of those things, and we have to continue to come back to God's Word, allow it to renew our minds so we can stay focused again, so we can fix our eyes back on Jesus again. If we can begin doing that, what's going to come from that is trust. We're going to be able to trust what God has set up and that He set it up this way for a reason. 
what you're going to begin seeing over the next probably several weeks is Brandon's going to continue teaching on Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4 is where we see this played out. Ephesians 4 is where we see the church begin to trust this, to begin trust the way God has created things. We have very little time, and so I'm going to run through this. In chapter 4 of Ephesians, starting in verse 11, it says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the teachers, the pastors and the teachers, to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. What he's saying is he's saying, look, if we can recognize that we need teachers, we need these pastors, we need these evangelists, evangelists, good grief, we need these people to pour into us, to equip us, to raise them up. The point of this is so that we will be equipped, right? The saints, all of you, each one of us in the body of Christ will be equipped to go and do the things that God desires for us. When that happens, when we begin stepping into this, there's this word that says then. I would underline, bold, circle the word then because here's where it all happens. Here's where it all comes together. Here's what should really excite us. It says then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. That's what it looks like when every one of us begins stepping into what the Lord created us for. It's a beautiful picture. We are no longer infants. We become this incredible force and it just works. You think about the the thing is that, look, it's going to be messy, right? It's not always going to be easy. Look at the disciples. If you ask them and say, hey, was living out what Christ desired for us to live out and being the body of Christ, was that easy? Did you have any hiccups? They'd probably say, hey, don't know if you know this, almost every one of us was killed. So no, it was not easy, right? But see, they would say, but you know what? When we stepped into this, the world was changed, right? A, a group of fishermen, a group of people that were not educated, a group of people that didn't know much of anything but spent some time with Jesus changed this world, changed each one of your lives because of what they spoke and what they shared. That's what happens when we step into these things. Then, so when you look at yourself and say, I don't have anything to offer, yeah, Peter, John, all disciples, they thought the same thing. And, and Christ said, you know what? Yes, in and of yourself, you got nothing to offer, but I'm going to do something incredible. I'm going to send the Spirit to live inside of you, and He's going to begin doing things through you. And I want you to see that it's a beautiful picture when this begins to happen. It's not always going to be easy. There's going to be times that it's messy, but if we do this, church, if we step into this and we lock arm in arm, we're heart and soul, and we begin moving forward, this community will be changed, this world will be changed, but we have to trust it, right? We have to be willing to surrender. We have to be willing to invest in this, to come to things like tonight where we say, hey, you know what? I'm going to begin digging in. I'm going to begin discovering what God wants for me, and then I'm going to begin stepping into it. And if I have a doubt, if I have a fear, I'm going to be honest with myself, and I'm going to admit that to others. I'm going to submit that to the Lord, and I'm going to begin to say, okay, how can I love through that? How can I allow it to surrender again and not let it be about myself? And then I'm going to trust this beautiful picture that is the church, and we're going to see incredible, incredible things happen. This is why this whole series has been so monumental for our church. This changes everything. This changes our view of a Sunday morning. This changes the view of what your role in the kingdom is. It's no longer just about staff or about anything like that. It's about 
allowing each one of you to step into different things. And here's the thing. If our only view of you being used by God is guest services, kids, worship and production, students, and prayer, we've got a very narrow groove, a narrow view of what God wants to do in and through you. It's far more to that. Maybe some of you is going to be within the walls of the church. There's so much more that needs to be done, so much more that each one of you can bring to the table. And man, I'm excited to see what's going to happen in and through you. I'm excited to see what's going to happen in my mom when she steps into this idea of being an evangelist. Even though she says, I got nothing to offer, I can't wait to see what God's going to do in and through her. It's going to be awesome. Man, I'm going to celebrate and it's going to be so, so cool. I can't wait to see what God is going to do in you that you don't even see yet. Church, are we ready for this? Are we excited about this? I'm excited, and I hope you are too. Let's pray. Father, it's about all I got. God, I, there's so much to your church. There's so much to what you desire for us. God, I pray that we stop going through the motions that every single person in this church right this second begins stepping into what you desire for them. They don't shy away from that. That God, they recognize that you have created them for a purpose. Just like this shirt says, every person has a purpose. God, I believe that. And I want them to believe that too. God, if they're afraid of stepping into something, God, I pray that they're reminded that it's your spirit that is gonna work in and through them. Or God, if they are withholding and they're holding on to things because they're afraid of giving up control because it's maybe it's turned into being a little bit about them. I pray they're able to humble themselves and realize more people stepping in and being used by God is the purpose, is the point. It's not about us. God, I pray if there's someone in this room, they haven't started with, with point one. They haven't surrendered to you. I pray they'll do that today. God, I pray they will grab somebody in a blue shirt or they'll somebody from the band or whoever it is and say, I need to surrender. It's been about me my whole life. I've never surrendered to Jesus. Maybe I've believed. I've never surrendered. And I want to do that. I pray that it happens today. God, I pray for this evening. I pray that your desire for people, they just, they're able to discover what you have for them. That God, this is just the first step. The first of many of them being able to identify what you want to do in and through them. And then we can come alongside them, equip them, pour into them, nurture that gift. Lean into that gift so they could be used by you. God, keep on moving in this church. Keep on moving in these individuals' lives. They each have something different to bring to the table. No greater, no less. We love you, God, and we praise you. We lift all this up in your son's name.